There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, look. <laughs> that's what you're doing. Like, I did it super exaggerated, but that's what you're doing. It's so cute. You're like this, all excited and then you just stop. This is literally the easiest word ever. And I'm, my brain is like, nope. Luck. <laughs> it's quarantine, but in Spanish. Well, hey there. Hi. My mouth just made a really weird noise. I heard all of it. I don't I don't know what happened. Your mouth had like a bubble wrap moment. Yeah, it sounded like alien or something. <laughs> Real. I am actually what um, the Pentagon is revealing to Congress next month. It's factual. I've seen the evidence. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. Today it was crazy, but we're here now. We're here now. Today was fucking crazy. I was in meetings all day, today and yesterday. I got so much shit done, and yet none of it is what I ever intended to get done, which is magic, because that means that none of the things that I needed to get done did get done. So I just can't wait to go to work tomorrow. I got a ton of shit done, uh, luckily, but I swear I saw the same people over and over to the point where we were like, hey, it's been a while. (laughs) Oh, those days are the best, except just kidding. Not really. Not the best. So before we get into anything, do you want to announce the things? (gasps) I would love to announce the things. Ba-ba-ba! Dear listeners, because it is my birthday month, I humbly bestow upon you this month's birthday beer giveaway contest. Please see previous episodes for contest details, but also please see future episodes for upcoming contests. More to come. I don't know. If you want free beer, this contest is perfect for you. I don't understand what the problem is. Not hard. But Today, we are announcing the winner of our May birthday month beer prize thing. Oh, no. That was super elaborate. I don't know. I don't know why you gave me this job. It was perfect. So, without further ado, the winner of our May contest was Geek Peak, a fellow podcast who we love and always appreciate their support. So thank you guys so much for participating and we will connect with you to get your information so we can send you that package. Whoop whoop. Thank you to everyone who participated and yeah like Celeste said keep your 
Eyes and ears peeled for future contests. Nope, not contests. Contests? Giveaways? Giveaways. That's the word. Speaking of beer giveaways, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a delightful beverage from Cultivate Variety. It is called Attention Please. Wait, wait, wait. Waiting. Sorry, I just really wanted to make sure that I had the brewery right. It is described... (laughs) I really just wanted to make sure. It's described as pillowy, tropical, and citra, and it also makes me wrap Eminem in my mind. No, I will not do it for you, but it really does, and it makes me immensely happy. And it's fucking delicious. Oh my god, it's so good. It's... So good. Oh, I really like that can. Isn't it dope? It's also kind of matrixy. It is, but tell me it doesn't make you think of testing. Attention, please. Feel the tension as soon as someone mentions me. Oh, yes. Okay. I was totally lost on your Eminem reference. And then you made me rap it anyway. Why don't you love me? You made our listeners listen to me rapping. I'm so sorry, everyone. Yes, I physically came there for half a second. And stood next to you and said, you must wrap this, and then came back You home. didn't understand my reference. I felt obligated to explain it. What are you drinking over there? I'm super excited to tell you the story behind what I'm drinking. Excellent. Is it my pineapple basil press? No, it's not. Oh, okay. So I went to a liquor store in town and was perusing, and originally had chosen a beer for tonight called Bless This Mess, which I felt was really appropriate. Yes. However, when I got to the checkout, one of the beers that I had chosen was $16. Oh, sweet Jesus. So the cashier rang it up and I was like, uh, I do not want that $16 beer, please. Oh my God. What? And he was like, that's totally okay. Go, We'll go put it back. You can go choose another one. And then he looked at me, and I have pink hair right now. And he goes, have you heard of unicorn farts? <laughs> and I was like, I have not. He's like, it has glitter in it. Oh! So, dear listeners, when Moose was still in my belly, Celeste was determined that he or she would be covered in glitter upon arrival. Always. And I have upheld this promise his whole life. Therefore, I am drinking a beer with glitter in it. And, okay, so first off, I'm going to see if you can actually see the glitter via the camera. Okay. Without Thank me you for blinding anything. me first. I really appreciate oh, I'm holding up the can instead of uh, glass. Yes, thank you. And, and thank you. Oh, I can totally see the glitter with the flashlight when it's not in my eyes. Yes, girl. It's so sparkly. Cover in glitter. I had to figure out the angle that would work. Thank you very much. I saw it, but I saw it for like the whole time you were telling me and showing me and doing the flashlight in my face. (laughs) Also, just so everybody understands the covered in glitter extra special joke. Uh, I said this, I made this vow to cover Allie's children in glitter, no matter what gender they were, by using a hashtag covered in glitter, to which Allie had a very difficult time reading, 
And if you type this out, you can have all kinds of fun with the words. So you're welcome. Go, cat litter. (laughs) But please tell me that I have not ever left your child without glitter on his face. Tell me. Very true. So I also need to show you this can because it's super cute. Oh, it is super cute. Is it delicious? Um, I like the initial taste. It is very sour. Okay, so here's the, here's the description. Okay. This is by Duclaw Brewing Company, and it is sour meat unicorn farts, glittered sour ale, ale brewed with fruity cereal and edible glitter. So I can taste the fruity pebbles upon like a first drink, and then mm-hmm. it's full sour. Mm. Is it like really intense? Yeah. Okay. So the description is, pony up for a taste of this glittered sour ale brewed with a trio of fruits, fruity cereal, and a swirl of edible glitter. Based on the flavor profile of the famous unicorn farts donut made with fruity cereal, this beer is a medium-bodied, big fruit notes, slight tartness, plus a hint of malty biscuit. A fantastical collaboration between Duclaw Brewing Company and Diablo Donuts. Okay, so I've never had Diablo donuts, but I have had voodoo donuts. Shout out to anybody who has voodoo donuts. I would literally kill for a voodoo donut right now. I'm just happy I have glitter beer. Girl, I'm so excited about your glitter beer. I think that's amazing and fantastic. And I'm sorry that the sour is not your favorite because that sounds like a pretty magical fucking experience otherwise, to be perfectly honest. I don't mind it. It's not overwhelming. At first, I was like... Eh, but I mean, I've already drank in half my glass, so. That's fair. Yeah. So do you want to know what we're talking about today? I would love to. Enlighten me. Today is the last segment of our pregnancy series, which is postpartum. Postpartum. Ba-da-ba-dum. I love that you turn everything into a show tune. I really am just embodying my inner Linda Belcher. Like, no matter how much I say I'm Louise, I'm fucking not. I'm Linda. I just shouldn't even deny it anymore. I can't help it. You definitely are, Linda. (laughs) I have a little bit of Louise in me. I'm not going to deny that. I'll light your shit on fire. But I will sing show tunes while I do it. So as we did with the other two episodes, we're going to start this one off with a disclaimer. This week's episode will have a content warning as we will be discussing topics related to pregnancy that may be triggering for some listeners. Celeste and I want everyone to hear us say we support everyone in their journey to have a family and whatever that means to you, our listener. We empathize with mothers who have faced infinite scenarios simply because we are mothers and we hope you empathize with our scenarios as we will be sharing them with you throughout this episode and the series as a whole. Being a mother is so many things, incredible things. Hard things, tragic, weird, lonely things. But above anything, being a mother can be a beautiful thing, and that's how we intend the following information to be perceived. Celeste and I are in no way presenting any of the information in this episode as medical professionals, and above any advice we may give, please always do what is right for you and consult your doctor with medical questions. Also, a little note for myself personally on this one, this research and following discussion is all assuming that there were no major complications during the birth or with the baby because I truly feel that I couldn't do justice to those scenarios within this episode 
and they deserve a future one of their own. Every situation is unique, and please know that no matter what you or your little one went through, you are not to blame for anything going wrong or being different than the societal view of perfect. Air quotes on perfect so hard. Also, this format is super different than my normal, and I hope you guys don't hate it. I had that worry during our pregnancy episode too, so same, but I'm sure you did amazing, and I'm super excited for what you have brought forward today. So, without further ado, the Taboos team proudly presents Phase 3, Postpartum. Let's get it, baby. So I started this out by literally Googling, you just had a baby. Now what? (laughs) Uh, Also what I would Google, so thank you for letting us start there. So seeing this was a fairly recent experience for me, a lot of this was based off of uh, what I could remember and then building off of that. I'm ready. So the first few days after having your baby are potentially in the hospital or a birthing center if you didn't have a home birth. You can stay anywhere from as short as a few hours of giving birth to a couple days, especially in cesarean section cases. During those first few days, here are a few things to expect. Oh my god, a baby! Oh my god! Das Babies! Your body is still full of hormones and you're probably fairly enamored with this little life you've created. Or you aren't. And that's totally normal. Per WebMD, studies have found that about 20% of new moms and dads feel no real emotional attachment to their newborn in the hours after delivery. Sometimes it takes weeks or even months to feel that attachment. I think that's an important call out because the expectation of immediate bonding is a very high and unnecessary pressure. It's possible to feel responsibility towards your child but no love attachment yet and that's totally okay. You definitely have to be easy on yourself. I think that that's really important to call out simply for the fact, I mean, there's like a ton of things that go into it, but simply for the fact of you just went through this incredibly exhausting experience and honestly traumatic, right? Like even if you had the most beautiful labor experience ever, your body just went through something incredibly traumatic. Your body basically just got hit by a car several times and made a baby. That's what happened. So really, like, there's a lot happening, and I think that it's especially important to say what Allie is saying and just be gentle with yourself and be kind to yourself and be kind to the situation because you yourself are experiencing all kinds of shit you've never experienced before on top of meeting a stranger who you are expected by society to love unconditionally from the second you meet them. I just, I do recognize that that's a very high pressure situation. Yeah, and I think it's truly not talked about at all that that might not occur. Like in in the pre-prepping stuff or whatever that the hospital gives you, I don't remember seeing that mentioned. I don't either. And to be perfectly honest with you, I remember having the experience of falling in love with Tiny instantly. I do remember that. And then I remember meeting somebody later who had had her daughter a few days prior to me having Tiny. And she asked me, she was like, I don't know if I love my baby. What's wrong with me? At the time, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. What is wrong with you? Like, I really had that. I had that thought because I didn't know that that was a thing at all. I had zero concept of that. So I just I really think we got to do better as a society in talking about that shit. Yeah, definitely. So one of the ways to potentially help form a bond is skin-to-skin contact, and it's been proven that it is really helpful. 
um, within the first few hours of birth to have that skin-to-skin contact with your child. It's incredibly comforting for them. And it kind of leads to this next portion. So one of the major decisions that you'll be making is whether or not you're going to be breastfeeding your child. Buckle up. I can't remember the listener that mentioned the Breast is Best campaign. Leah. There we go. Leah, this portion's for you. Here we go, Leah. So before we dive into the logistics and such of breastfeeding, I just want to call out that the Breast is Best campaign that still seems to be occurring across a lot of our nation is bullshit and incredibly harmful to both the mother's psyche and the baby's physical well-being. Preach, baby. You know what's great? Feeding your baby. Yes, breast milk has a bunch of good stuff in it, but no one should ever feel pressured to breastfeed. Also, it sets up unnecessary expectations for a new mother that already has enough on her plate. Breastfeeding is not always the beautiful experience it's portrayed to be, and messages like this within a medical environment are detrimental to the reality of that experience. The truth is, if you want to try, try. If you don't want to, don't. If you've tried and it's not for you, that is 100% okay and valid. Shout out to the Fed is Best Foundation. Part of their mission statement is the following. We provide families and health professionals with the most up-to-date scientific research, education, and resources to practice safe infant feeding with breast milk, formula, or a combination of both. To be fully informed, parents must be taught the risks of insufficient breast milk intake when supporting exclusive breastfeeding in order to prevent hospitalizations for insufficient feeding complications. Finally, we strive to eliminate infant feeding shaming while prioritizing perinatal mental health. I'll put the link for them in the show notes. So did you have any experience with Breast is Best when Tiny was born? I don't know if it was like as prevalent as it is nowadays. I can't say that I did. I did have experience with, yes, lactation. Like I definitely had experience with you should breastfeed, but the Breast is Best Thing, that's new to me. Okay. I honestly hadn't even heard it before Leah had mentioned it in that last episode for the quoting of that. Um, so no, that's new to me. But also, I don't know if I'm a good candidate to ask that question because I had known that I wanted to breastfeed and I assumed I'd be good at it. And I was. So I didn't ever question or challenge or honestly even understand that not all women experience this the same way that I did. In fact, I didn't know that until I was breastfeeding Tiny much later and I was talking to my mom about breastfeeding and she was telling me when my sister was born, the idea of breastfeeding my sister actually made my mom like nauseous and her skin crawl and she was like, I love my baby but I don't want to feed her like that. My sister's 10 years younger than me So, I mean, really for that, Tiny is 10 years younger than my sister. And for my mom to have experienced that with my sister, that should say something about how long it's been prevalent. I mean, just throwing that out there. This concept, at least, but at the time, I don't believe it was called breast is best. And I definitely didn't hear that. Yeah, so it used to be that they would push formula a lot more in hospitals, and then it's flipped more over the past decade or so. So when we were in the hospital with Moose, the second night was really, really hard. He was cluster feeding. I was not getting any sleep. I mean, I only had colostrum coming in and it wasn't enough for him at all. 
and I was exhausted. I mean, I had been in labor for over 24 hours, had my C-section, and basically had been up that whole time. Right. And we asked the nurse for a bottle because I was basically breaking down. And she had to disclaimer us and say, okay, we have to let you know breast milk is better for your baby than formula. Do you agree to give the baby a bottle instead? And I was like, what the fuck? Bitch, I asked for the bottle. Here's the thing, though. You could tell that she didn't want to have to say it, but it was policy to say it. I get that. And honestly, it's not the same. But I look at it the same as a separation of church and state. That's you imposing your fucking belief on my baby and I. That's not acceptable in a medical environment. It's not. It cannot be policy that I can't say give my baby a bottle. And here's the thing. He was hungry. He downed those two or three ounces. I want to say it was two ounces. Either way, it was nothing to him. I mean, he's a big kid, but dude was hungry. He needed to be fed. I mean, dude is always hungry, though. We can just be really honest about that. So, yeah, that was my experience, and I was not very happy about it. But I didn't really register it until later on. Well, I think that's also something that I want to just, like, talk about for a second. How terrible to ambush a woman who just was in labor for 24 hours, just got her guts ripped out, now has a 10-pound baby who's screaming for food and is is bossy and demanding and adorable, but also hungry. And when he's hungry, there's no messing with him at all. He's vicious when he's hungry. I know that. I just, like, that's just honestly salt on the wound at that point. Like, help me. Also, let's take a step back. You motherfuckers won't let me fucking sleep. You do not need to check my vitals every two hours when I'm hooked up to your fucking machines. Back up and get me a bottle. I just don't understand why that's not a thing. I don't. There's so many pieces of that conversation that aren't necessary. And then I really think about this ambush, this beratement of women who just had a baby with this breast is best concept. No. Fed is what's important. And I know that that's the counter argument, which I just really love, like that fed is best. But I really recognize the value of that. And I am someone who breastfed my child just because I could, because I wanted to and I was good at it and it was natural for me. But that might not be the same with my next child. That's not the same for everybody. I really recognize how lucky I am and nothing more. Yeah, exactly. Our breastfeeding journey turned out to be wonderful too, but I never would have wanted to have been shamed for supplementing. And we did end up supplementing with formula in the beginning as well. So fuck them. I ended up having to supplement on the back end because I remember my two-week maternity leave that wasn't even a two-week maternity leave. Mm -hmm. By the time that my supply was enough to feed Tiny consistently by just pumping... I was already at work and I was already not able to pump nearly as often as I needed to. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would bring a change of clothes to work. This is a future episode just so everybody knows. But I would bring a change of work, a change of clothes to work because I would not pump for so long that I would leak that bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
So on the topic of breastfeeding, because it is super important and I wanted to cover kind of the expectations there that you can experience. These are some random facts. Um, most of these are from factretriever.com with some personal experience thrown in. So babies have a powerful sense of smell and can identify their mother's breast milk by scent. The baby actually routes around for a nipple and it's pretty cute initially. It's like a little mole trying to like find its way out of like a little hole. It's like actually really adorable. That is literally the perfect explanation for it. I know. And Tiny, that was the face that she made. She still makes the face when she's sleeping. But it was the cutest little mole face. Oh my god. Breastfeeding reduces the risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer in mothers, which I think is super interesting. Our bodies are just crazy. I cannot get over that. Fascinating. Agreed. Each breast functions independently. What happens to one breast during breastfeeding might not happen to the other. For example, breast engorgement might leave one breast larger than the other. Always awkward. Uh, hello, my name's Celeste. Breast milk changes during a feeding season. It also changes over the first couple weeks from colostrum. Colostrum. I said colostrum earlier in this episode. <laughs> I knew what you meant, though. To transitional milk to mature milk. The WHO and UNICEF have recommended that mothers breastfeed for at least two years. Um, I'm sorry. May, may we add something to the list of other benefits of breastfeeding? Mm-hmm. Breastfeeding is actually really good at restoring your uterus back to its original or pre-baby state to the best of its ability. Because when you breastfeed, your uterus will contract and it helps make all your lady bits go back to a normal size. <laughs> Once again, our bodies are incredible. Amazing, really. A mother's breast can gain up to two pounds each in preparation for feeding an infant. Girl, and they feel like 40 each. Solid bricks. You don't even want to touch them because they hurt. My boobs were my favorite thing during my pregnancy. Your boobs were great during your pregnancy. Yes, they were indeed. I finally like evened out dresses and stuff. It was nice. I remember when you bought like a really cute like bra, like a like a normal really cute bra, and you were like, I bought a bra. And I was like, you did. We celebrated. I was so happy for you. Okay, I felt like I needed to add this one because I didn't know it, and it's basic anatomy that I didn't know, and it freaked me out, you guys. I love anatomy. Let's hear it. Breast milk sprays from multiple holes in the nipple rather than just one hole. The amount of holes varies from mother to mother, usually between 10 to 20 pores. In other words, a nipple is similar to a sieve or sieve. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Either way, (laughs) I didn't know this. I have issues with holes in bodies. And and it scared. No, it didn't scare. It weirded the hell out of me. I cannot tell you how much this disturbed me. So I think this is fascinating because normally this is my reaction and I don't have that. I did know this. I knew this because I've definitely looked at my own. I've definitely examined. I've def- I don't know how many holes I have because I don't think it can count, but I've definitely looked at the girls. So I'm very familiar with that. Um, also, I was really curious about lactation and at one point I wouldn't stop lactating even though I wasn't feeding tiny anymore and I realized that it's because I was (laughs) self-sabotaging. I have just never realized that they were pores. Yeah 
Like, what did you think happened? It was like a hose? I thought there was just one. Yeah. <laughs> I realize how stupid that sounds now, but <laughs> so stupid. I just, I don't know. <laughs> isn't that, isn't also. That, isn't that stupid? I just, I just it's not a hose. <laughs> it's just not the same. I just, oh, be, the reason that they're pores is so that they can close so that you aren't lactating at all times like a hose would do if you didn't have the ability to close them oh no 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 that part i understood i meant like the texture of your nipples i didn't realize that they were actually pores like individual pores yeah yeah. like they're a cluster of pores yeah i realize how dumb this is now i've just never put that thought into it nipples are weird you know what else is weird like just because we're here now the fact that everybody's nipples are so fucking different. There's like 8,000 types of nipples. Weird. Okay, we can move on. But weird. <laughs> nipples are super fun though too, so. I'm not mad about it. I really just recognize like I'm not I'm not discriminating on anybody's 8,000 types of nipples. I'm really just saying there are so many types of nipples and that's just a fascinating concept. A woman's cup size doesn't determine the amount of milk she will produce. Milk production and storage depends on hormones. Um, So I'm on the smaller side. And I was one of those people that thought having smaller boobs meant less milk production. Essentially what we're learning today is Allie was completely ignorant to everything revolving around breastfeeding. It's true. I actually ended up donating extra milk, um, which was extremely shocking to me because I expected to just kind of fail in this area because I had built it up in my head that small boobs meant no milk. But you had all the boys in your yard. My milkshake brings other boys to the yard. I didn't that. Oh my God. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what wow. do you mean? No, Moose is, Moose is the only boy that was in the yard. That's why he's so big, though. True. (laughs) During the newborn stage, the average breastfeeding session lasts from 20 to 45 minutes every two to three hours. It's exhausting. Uh, I have a firm counter to that, though. That might not be the case. Uh, So in my experience, I got yelled at by my pediatrician for waking Tiny up to feed her. Because Tiny has always been a minimum of a a 10-hour-a-night baby. Like, she's always slept like that. And for the first few days, I was waking her up, and I asked my doctor if I should be worried about it because nobody told me I shouldn't. And he was like, no, let her sleep. Don't wake her up to feed her. She will wake up and tell you if she's hungry. So this is just me imparting that wisdom to any new parents who have babies who sleep. Don't wake them up to feed them because you don't have to. They won't starve. They'll wake up and tell you they're hungry. Also, dear parents who have babies that sleep, please get your babies to communicate to the babies that do not sleep. All the secrets. It would be appreciated. Put the babies together for some positive influences or some shit. (laughs) Watch little Timmy. See how he stays asleep? That's what we need. Breastfeeding creates more dense tissue in the breasts. After breastfeeding, both fatty tissue and connective tissue can shrink, change size, or even make one breast seem larger than the other. Yep. Yep. So, things that people don't talk about and wasn't in my preparation manual bullshit. I don't know what all those words were, but I didn't have it either, I'm sure. 
It can be really fucking painful, demanding, and isolating. Real as fuck. Getting a correct latch right away is not a guarantee, and the results can be excruciating for the mom. That can lead to cracked or bleeding nipples. Been there, done that, along with thrush at the same time, and I do not recommend. No. On that note, there is a commercial that's been on Hulu lately that is of a, I think she's like British mom? I don't know. She has a lovely accent. Oh, lovely. And her mom calls her and she has a newborn and she's like, how's the little one or how's my little bundle or something like that? And the mom starts crying because her nipples hurt because the latch is painful I almost started crying at that episode, at that episode, at that commercial because because it was so truthful and honest and beautiful. So then the mom teaches the daughter via like Skype or whatever, a different position to hold the baby to make it less painful or help the latch, which is actually the fact that there are a bunch of holds that you can position your baby and it may take a while to find the one that works best for you. Real. And also also works best for your baby because your baby's needs will change depending on the type of feeding that your baby wants or their body is asking for and maybe they don't want to be held in a certain way for a certain feeding they are little humans and they want to be comfortable too just because babies are soft and squishy and spongy and can sleep just about anywhere doesn't mean that they want to and i think that that's something else that nobody talks about yeah definitely they have their own preferences real. You may have to give up certain foods until you've completed breastfeeding if your child turns out to be allergic. So like dairy, eggs, peanut butter can all transfer through breast milk. Can I tell you that I was terrified that Tiny was going to be allergic to peanut butter? I was terrified that I OD'd her on peanut butter while she was in the womb. It was one of the first things that I gave her when she could start eating non-baby foods. I was like, just try this and make sure you don't die. Please just put this in your mouth. (laughs) I just wanted to know that she could eat peanut butter and I didn't ruin her. That's amazing. Super fun things like mestesis and thrush can occur. They're infections. Uh, They're not fun. If your boobs are getting hot, please go to a doctor. That's all I have to say. Also, if the stuff coming out of your boobs is discolored, ask somebody about that. Like, just in general, ask somebody about that. Everyone and their mom may end up seeing your boobs while in the hospital, especially if you're working with a lactation consultant. Uh, Everybody saw mine, and I couldn't have cared less at that point. In that moment, it's really the least important thing that's happening, just really to be honest. Sometimes breastfeeding just doesn't work out, and that's okay, and please... Please be kind on yourself. It's not your fault. It's not this perfect thing that everybody makes it out to be. It's not this 100% guarantee. I just need you guys to hear that. Something that I had that I just also want to like add to this list of things that I wish somebody would have told me about breastfeeding that were painful is if you don't feed consistently or you don't pump consistently, the engorgement Mm-hmm. Not even how painful engorging is, because that's a totally real fucking thing that nobody can explain to you. I can't tell you what that feels like if you've never had it. However, oh, what nobody really tells you is the painful latch that comes with engorgement, that first couple pulls of like getting milk out of an engorged breast literally will make you want to die. 
It's yep. incredibly fucking painful. Oh my God. So painful. And that is not anything that any of the lactation specialists will tell you about. They don't tell you about how all of the negative things about breastfeeding as far as the pain or the latching positions or whatever, like they'll get it to make it work, but then they kind of just leave you to rot with all of the other shit and fuck breastfeeding is beautiful, but it's painful, painful experience. Also on the topic of engorgement, that shit is so fucking weird. Waking up in the middle of the night, like your boobs are lifting you off the bed because they're that hard. Real, real. Or like, oh God, I would love to have a Budweiser because I haven't had alcohol in 11 months. I just want to have one beer. And you have your one Budweiser and you think everything's amazing and suddenly your tits are fucking bricks and they feel like they're trying to leave your body. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, and now I can't use this milk because I had a Budweiser. Let's quick just dump all of this hard work and pain down the drain. Thank you. I remember crying over literally a bottle of spilt milk. And that's where I think that saying comes from. And it's valid. If you cry over a bottle of spilled breast milk, girl, I'll cry with you. Yes. Or dad. Mom or dad. I don't care. If you're crying over a bottle of spilled breast milk, I'm crying with you. I promise. So pumping is also an option. Shout out to those women that are full-time pumpers. There's someone that listens to our episodes. I'm not going to say your name out loud, but it starts with an S. I hope you know who you are. You are a fucking superhero. I'm sure there are others out there that I know as well, but you are the only one that has told me about your experience. So, And pumping at work when you go back into the labor force will be a need if you want to continue to breastfeed in order to keep your supply up. So like you said, if you don't get the opportunity to pump enough, you're screwed. Super screwed. I was only able to successfully breastfeed for eight to ten months because of my my pumping, which is ridiculous because I was at such a great supply for so long, I could have easily breastfed her for so much longer. So, so, so Mm -hmm. much longer. My supply literally just got all fucked up because I couldn't pump when I needed to and I couldn't feed her when I needed to and she wasn't getting enough nourishment from me because of our schedule so yeah we had to 50 50 that shit and it was really really upsetting for me and really hard for me feeling like I had to choose between feeding my baby or feeding myself and my family like that's really what it came down to in that experience and that was really fucking hard yeah So even though you're just feeding your child, prepare for some potentially nasty looks if you choose to do it in public. And I have a quote for that from David Allen. My opinion is that anybody offended by breastfeeding is staring too hard. You know what? I really need everybody to know that I am significantly more offended by a motherfucker chewing with his mouth open than I ever am with a mother feeding her child. I will slap you upside the fucking head for chewing with your mouth open. You Neanderthal motherfucker. But also, mamas, feed your babies. They are allowed to eat out too. They get special occasions too. They get to come out in public too. Don't be ashamed of them. Don't hide it. Do what you need to do to be comfortable. But fuck anybody else who is telling you that your baby should not be fed in public. Fuck that shit. All of that. So that's what I had on that portion. I just felt like breastfeeding 
and whether you choose not to or it doesn't work out the way you intended it to or there are things that weren't explained is one part that is really just kind of not given the time postpartum that it deserves or the depth that it deserves. So I really wanted to cover it. I really appreciate that you did, that you brought that into this episode. I think that that was fantastic and really, really important for new moms to hear. I do also want to say that, shout out, future episodes, stay tuned. We will have a more extensive episode on breastfeeding as it relates to ages and all kinds of other things, right? The cost-effectiveness statistics, the things that we talk about, all the things we talk about. But really seriously, I think what you did for this episode was so, so important in just looking at instantaneously, this is something you will face within minutes of your baby coming out and nobody will really have you prepared for it because that's just not how it works. Nobody really talks about this being part of the postpartum. They all ask you, are you going to breastfeed? But nobody really gives you a crash course and what to expect. They just want to know if you are or aren't. Mm -hmm. So now they've left you out of the hospital with this brand new life. In America, that's kind of it outside of some cultural communities or some instances like postpartum doula. So in an earlier episode, I believe we had mentioned cultural differences around the world in post-hospital life. So I dug into that a little bit. I'm really excited to hear about this. I'm super curious about this specifically. So this is all from ravishly.com. And I just thought this history bit was a little um, eye-opening. In colonial America, it was common for women to have a, quote, lying-in period of three to four weeks following a birth. The new mom would regain her strength and connect with her child while female attendants ran her house. Often these women were relatives, but not always, and none were paid. The understanding was that the females would pay it forward and lend a hand when others were recuperating from childbirth. Kind of makes me wonder when that went away. Also really makes me recognize the term it takes a village and where that came from. You're going to feel that over and over in the next ones. Oh, fantastic. Also, dear new moms, dear moms, dear parents, dear children, dear everybody, find a fucking village, okay? You do need one, no matter what anybody tells you. Find one and stick with them because it's important. Children need a village. You need a village. To your point, yes, when did we get away from that? Yep. In China, birth can mean 30 days in your PJs. Oh, literally called sitting the month or zhuo yezu. There are tons of rules, including not being able to eat raw fruits and veggies or bathe. The main objective? To restore the mother's yin and yang after childbirth and to strengthen the baby. Moms are served lactation-inducing soups and broths and aren't permitted to eat or drink anything cold. Okay, so there are like serious, legitimate pros to that entire situation. And then there were some pretty serious, legitimate cons. And I don't know how I feel, so let's keep moving while I do some calculations there. The 100 days of birth is taken super seriously in Korea. Old Ajumas are known to chase down modern moms who take their new... This is... Quote, I didn't read this like word beforehand. Who take their newbies out for fresh air. <laughs> Force feeding of nourishing seaweed soups, etc. also takes place. Uh, hard pass on the seaweed soup, but uh, if you want to force me to take my little one for fresh air, let's go for a walk, baby. 
Your newbie. My newbie. Okay, but I think that's hilarious because I say freshy. When I see like a freshy, I can't even say it in a different way. I can't describe it in any way other than when I see a freshy, that's what I call it. So I love that they said newbie because that's exactly where my brain went. In Japan, the magic number is three, as in weeks. Loosely translated, ansi means peace and quiet with pampering. The new mom generally kicks back at her folks' place, mostly staying in bed while she bonds with her baby. There's a lot of cultural experiences that are not that of America, and I'm really envious right now. Mm-hmm. In Malaysia, women observe a pantang period of 30 to 44 days, depending on whether her heritage is Chinese or Indian. Some practices include hiring a traditional masseuse to massage and bind the belly with a special postnatal corset and using hot stones on the abdomen to cleanse the womb. India also has a vibrant tradition of post-delivery confinement, anywhere from 40 to 60 days depending on the region. It's believed to protect both mother and baby from infection and to help mom bounce back from the physical demands of childbirth. Customs include bathing only with an herbal infusion and having a daily massage with special oil blends such as mustard seed oil. I want a daily massage. I never got that. I, I want that. Where do I sign up for that package? Nick would massage my ankles, like my legs, because of how bad my legs were still swollen post-birth and we just wanted them to go away. (laughs) We both hated them so much. We just wanted to rub them away. Pretty much, like redistribute the water somehow. (laughs) I got no special anything. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm sorry. No, I don't say that as a sorry thing. I don't say that as that. I really mean it as I want to make sure I get the masseuse package next time. Flipping through your birth center, like what, like a pamphlet? My brochures. (laughs) Excuse me, where is the uh, masseuse package? Uh, Excuse me, if there's not a masseuse package, I'm not coming to this birthing center. Please up your profile, please. Several African nations also have confinement traditions which vary from country to country. Mother and child are quarantined for anywhere from 10 to 40 days, while friends and relatives provide the family with meals and care for other children. In the Congo, for example, mothers are given family support for up to three months following a birth. Down in the Atlantic in the Caribbean, do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? Caribbean. Unless we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, because that's Pirates of the Carrots in my house. Noted. Jamaican tradition calls for both mom and baby to be isolated for eight days. Many women in Latin American countries like the Dominican Republic and Mexico observe La Quarantina, which literally translates to quarantine. La Quarantina, it is believed, is the 40 days it takes for the uterus to return to normal. Relatives pitch in to cook, clean, and take care of the kids. Sex and spicy foods, as well as hair washing, are verboten. So that was experience from around the world, which is vastly different from experience within the U.S. Real. What was yours like? Girl. Okay. So I was really thinking about it while you were talking, and I do not want to in any way discredit my mother or my grandmother for all of the help and support and love and guidance that they provided me because seriously, they gave me everything they could. I mean that. However, even at everything that they could give me, I was vastly underprepared 
grossly undereducated, zero money, broke, broke as fuck, no money. And also, I went back to work instantly. I had not this experience. I had not this beautiful, pampering, replenish, recharge experience. I had none of that. I was in a domestic abuse situation with a man who beat me all the fucking time and a baby. That's what I had. I wish I could have changed your experience. And I think one thing that's prevalent in the U.S. is like I had a great experience. We had a really strong support system. But even so, there wasn't somebody here all the time. We were still alone. Real. 80% of the time. It's still a vastly different experience than this. I don't disagree with you at all. I really don't. And please, nobody hear me share my story and my experience out of pity. That's not it at all. What I'm saying is you're right. I didn't have somebody there to help me and look out for me and my baby. Like, I didn't have that. I didn't have somebody to make sure that I could take a nap so that I wasn't going fucking crazy in between her naps. I didn't have a helper. I didn't even have a partner, to be honest with you. I have been a single mom my entire experience as a mom. That's real. I have always had a village without question, but I haven't ever had the type of village that we're talking about culturally that is an expectation in other cultures. That was not my experience. And I think one of the discerning differences is Even though everybody knows how exhausting raising a baby is, in America, it's just an expectation. It's just what you do. That's your baby. That's your problem. That's what you got to deal with. That's how the mentality is. Which it's true. It is your baby. It is your problem. Yeah. But... I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying that. Yeah. No. But, like, on the other hand, too, we're all people. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I could honestly handle this type of bond like listed in these experiences because being around people that much would drive me absolutely fucking insane. So yeah, but I really think about if I asked you to be my village, you'd be my village. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would. If I asked you for your help to that level, you'd be you would be here every day. You'd be here to help me to that level. I know you would. I would literally strap on a baby carrier and be cleaning your house at the same time. I know you would, so I could nap. I know you would. I know you would. So I don't think that it's fair that you say, if I were in this experience, because that's not what it is. The only reason you think that is because it's such a culture shock for us as Americans to think about it that way. Because the only reason that you would do it for me and, and whatever, and for other people who you love, is because you love us. The difference is there, it's a cultural thing on top of being something you do for people you love. It's a cultural expectation on top of a familial, quote unquote, expectation. Because I know not everybody's family is amazing and that's not what I'm saying. But real. Here, it's not that. It is only a quote unquote family expectation. And you are my family. So that falls under that. But I recognize there is not a cultural expectation for the village, for support, for moms empowering other moms. And also what I wanted to add to this, because you were saying how the midwives or doulas sometimes stay with the moms for a while. I honestly don't think that anybody understands being a parent is 
one of the loneliest things that there can be, whether that is with a partner or as a single parent, it's just really lonely because you're really dedicating all of your time to this one human being who needs everything from you. I recognize that the village is important also for that reason, because we as people cannot be solo in that way, especially in such a vulnerable time. The village is important for the moms, just like they are important for the babies. Definitely. And actually, while you were talking about the cultural expectation of it, you made me realize that within my experience, it's not that that village wouldn't have been there. Like that village was there for me 100%, but I was never going to take advantage of it in that way because that's not how we work here. And there would have been even more mom guilt than there is normally. I think that that's a really, really important follow-up point to the point that I made. Both are super valid. Both are people experiences. Some people experience both of those things. They experience no village and then mom guilt. That's real too. Like we said in the disclaimer, infinite possibilities, infinite scenarios. But either way, no matter what, this is a real thing in this country that women face. And it's really sad. And I honestly couldn't even imagine being a single parent and going through it because, like, I didn't even change Moose's diaper. I don't even know until what day because I was recovering from my C-section. I had no strength. Like, I don't even want to explain to you what it felt like because it gives me the heebie-jeebies. But Nick took care of all of the diaper changes. If you don't have a partner or you don't have that village, my heart goes out to you. I, I don't know what to say real my heart also goes out to you if that's your experience because I have been there and it's hard so fucking hard I remember I remember the first couple days being home when I was changing Tiny's diaper my knees would shake while I was like standing at the changing table because I was so weak and I hadn't I had nothing and I really mean it my kid's always been the 10 hour a night kid I so it's not that I didn't have the chance to recharge but I didn't have the chance to recharge. I'm a brand new mom in a real bad situation by myself with a baby. No idea what the fuck I'm doing. I am 21 years old and I think that I know everything there is to know. I'm an idiot. I am scared. I am alone. I am broke. I am starving. And now I have a baby. Like, that's a real thing that people go through. And if you do... More power to those mamas. Really, real. Get it. So, what can you expect in experiences over the next few weeks or months or etc.? Now that we have Das Babies. Das Babies. So, the first thing I want to say is there are going to be moments that are truly incredible that you've never experienced before that I can't even put into words. So, not going to try. Be ready to cry. That's it. That's all we can say. Be ready to cry. Yep. And get more storage on your phone. That also, yes. You will be disgusted with the number of pictures you take of your baby. It's fine. Nobody will judge you. So one thing to be prepared for in that space is the highs and lows of the experience emotion-wise. And I think that's just a really important call out. We'll dig into that a little bit more. I would just want to preface this portion with that because this next portion is a lot of uh, not as 
fun stuff as baby giggles. So I think the reason it's important to have this part of the conversation, though, is because everyone talks about the baby giggles. Everyone talks about the happy babies. Everybody talks about the happy moments. Everybody wants to hear about your happy moments. Oh, my God. The old woman at work is dying to hear about your happy baby moments. Like she's fucking waiting for you to talk to her about them. I promise. But nobody talks about the bad baby moments. So I really appreciate that you're bringing that to this conversation. Thanks. So let's start off with the fact that no matter if you had a vaginal delivery or a C-section, you're bleeding a lot. And everything hurts. Very true. Pads... Hell, adult diapers even, are your friend. This bleeding can continue four to six weeks postpartum. Um, It's called lochia, and it can smell not pleasant. It's vile. I had no idea, having had a C-section, that I was going to be bleeding. I legitimately thought I was, like, dying. I didn't know that. Yeah. What? Mm Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, yes, it makes sense. I'm not surprised anatomically, but no, I did not know that. And that's crazy to me. You may be in pain from delivery and any tearing that may have occurred or your C-section. Be kind to your body and give yourself time to heal. There are a few things here specifically that I want to call out. If you did tear and there are various degrees of tearing from like a quote minor tearing, which It's your vagina. Let's just say there's no such thing as minor tearing. Please, let's just address that right now. No. No, 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 no. Um, I had quote-unquote minor tearing to the point where Magic Hands looked at Dr. Matt and said, let's just do one stitch because I know this is how good Magic Hands is. This is how much I love him. He said, I know if I had a vagina, just cosmetically, I would want that to be fixed. And I said, thank you. (laughs) I had no idea what it looked like. I just said, thank you. (laughs) I love him. But tearing is terrible. And also it hurts like fuck when you pee. You might as well just pour battery acid on your vagina for the next several weeks because that's what it feels like every time you have to take a piss. Yeah, that was actually my call out on it. So obviously your tearing can be anything from minor to literally holy shit. And the first pee or poop could totally fucking suck. So be prepared. Okay, but it's not even the first. When I had my tear, the entire time my tear was healing, it hurt Mm -hmm. to pee. It hurt so bad to pee that I would force myself not to pee more than like three or four times a day because I couldn't stand the pain. And there was this spray that they gave you, this like numbing spray which is basically like the cherry cough syrup that you spray in the back of your throat that like makes your tongue numb, except this is for your vagina and it smells like antifreeze and it's fucking terrible and it goes on everything but your vagina and it doesn't work the way it's supposed to and everything hurts. It's not a good time. Peri bottles are your best friend. What's a peri bottle? It's a squirt bottle. Say squirt bottle and do this again. Did you not get one? No. Squirt bottle. Oh my god. You like squirt it. You squirt it up there to clean yourself. No, I had You like fill it with warm water. Oh my god, it's so good. No, I did not have this and I'm mad. It's like a bidet. It's like a bidet. 
No, I didn't have this. All I had was the fucking antifreeze spray that made my vagina numb, but not the part of my vagina that hurt when I fucking had to pee. C-sections, although commonplace now, are still a major surgery, and keeping your recovery in mind is super important. When I say it feels weird, um, I literally can't describe it. It feels fucking weird. Just, once again, be kind to yourself. Something that I really remember about your C-section, because you're the only person that's ever talked to me about their C-section, the only other person I know being my mother, so that's, I was 10, she wasn't going to talk to me about that. So uh, something that I remember about your C-section is you telling me that there was gas trapped in your abdomen from the, the incision and shit. Can you, without making me vomit, talk to me about that? Because... That has literally haunted me since that day in the hospital, the day I met Moose. I correlate my memory of meeting him with how horrified I was with you telling me that. So can we talk about that? Well, first off, I actually forgot about that. So, (laughs) dear listeners, um, I will tell you that I did have PTSD for a while because of my C-section to where I couldn't imagine certain fabrics being ripped without literally like having anxiety and panic over it um because of how my c-section went which was totally fine it was fine it was 100 percent the way it should have been i couldn't even tell you what occurred during it that made me go into a panic mode uh other than the fact that you had been in labor for 24 hours and you were exhausted and delirious yeah so essentially i was what was called a boggy which meant that there was a lot of blood But it wasn't anything abnormal. But anyways, so um, for a while, first off, it was really hard for me to talk about my C-section. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to for this series. But clearly, I am fairly past it at this point. I'm so proud of you. I didn't remember the gas thing until you just said it. So yeah, the gas can become trapped in your body from the surgery. And it can actually move throughout your body. And I remember that day now because it was up in my chest and arm at that point and it gets so painful and your shoulder you were like it's right here and I was like what do you mean it's right there there wasn't a baby there that's called your collarbone and you're like no I feel it it's like so uncomfortable up here all the gas is up here and I was like how is your shoulder gonna fart Allie like I was so (laughs) worried but so confused and also like there was a slight part in my brain which was like she's making this up She's fucking with you. This is not real. Like, And then I was like, no, this is definitely real because you were super serious about it. And it's haunted me since. It's literally I've worried about it since. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely weird. I mean, it's typical after any surgery it can occur. So future note for any surgery. I didn't know that. And I've had an abdominal surgery before and I still didn't have that. So I really seriously was super geeked out about it. I guess they pulled... Uh, almost 10 pound baby on me something had to go in there (laughs) they had to fill the void with something so sex could be painful for a while postpartum obviously getting cleared by a doctor for it is always advised and also it could change your sex life as far as how your body reacts to sex um, how often you want it anything involving that area please be prepared for it and give yourself time really time is the big thing here Also, just I guess on that concept, something that I want to throw out there, I don't know if this is something that you talk about or not, but I got to say it. Ladies, 
don't hesitate to grab a mirror and look at the anatomy now that you've had a baby. Don't hesitate to do that. And do it periodically. Do it as you're healing. Maybe not right away. I don't recommend that. It's pretty terrible. It looks like not good. But within a few weeks, start checking out the progress. Start making sure that things are healing and things are looking correctly. Also, dear women in general, never hesitate to look at your vagina. Please don't. There's nothing down there. There's not a gnome. It doesn't have teeth. You should know what it looks like. Just look at it. But specifically for women who just had a baby who are starting to entertain the idea of re-entering a sex life with their partner or with partners in general, doesn't matter. You should know what your body looks like and it will help your self-confidence issues as you move into having sex again. I promise it's really something that we should be talking about also because that's a really weird and kind of scary thing, especially if you didn't make a baby with your partner who unconditionally and absolutely loves your body no matter what happens. That's a real experience. Yeah, that's a great call out. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I've spent many a day with a mirror. <laughs> so your hormones are going through a crazy time and I highly recommend laying down a towel or five on your bed to handle your night sweats. Real, real, real. That shit is crazy. I used to wake up like drenched to the point where I was like convinced I just went swimming. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be like, no, I'm in bed. Oh, gross. Those were the thoughts. Yep. In that order. And then you're freezing because you're drenched. Yep. And there's nowhere safe to move on the bed because you've been sweating for a long time before you woke up to realize that you were drenched in sweat. So your whole bed is soaked. One major call out that I want to make is sleep deprivation, especially in those early months, is very real and very serious. I remember times at night dealing with reverse cycling because Moose would rarely take any of the billions of bottles that we tried for him, and I would just be breaking down and sobbing from sheer exhaustion. Actually, a key memory that I wish I could forget was um, my mom and stepdad came over one day. Nick was already back to work. And um, I was still on maternity leave and I had like zero sleep and I had thrush and moose had thrush and it felt like glass was being pulled out of my nipples and I had no sleep. And my mom looked at me and said, what's wrong? And I just started bawling. I just lost it. And she handed my stepdad the baby and he said, she's exhausted. And my mom just hugged me and then was like, go take a nap. And I, I did. I went, well, I pumped first. Always pump first. You will regret it if you don't. Never take a nap pre-pump. So I sat in the sunshine and I pumped. And then I went and took a nap. So my call out there is sleep deprivation. Extremely serious. I now understand, no joke, why it is a torture technique. If someone offers you help, please don't ever turn it down. Please don't try to tough it out. Please accept it for both your sake and your baby's sake. And that's important no matter how old your baby is. I need to say that too. That doesn't matter if your baby is a newborn or one or two or three or seven. If you need a break for your mental sanity, 
You have every right to ask for that break and ask for help and keep asking for help until you get it as long as it is someone safe for your child to be with because that shit is real and it's bad for you and your baby no matter how old they are. Everybody deserves a break. So you could suffer from a weakened pelvic floor and may require therapy for it. If something feels off, talk to your doctor about it. It's super common, but it's not discussed enough. In fact, per babycenter.com, about two-thirds of women end up with what's known as diastasis recti, a separation of the rectus abdominis muscle along the center of the belly. This condition can contribute to lower back pain, constipation, and urine leaks, as well as that stubborn postpartum stomach pooch that may last for months or even years. So let me reiterate, two-thirds of women generally end up with this. I was one that had it. I had a very minor separation, but it's literally the muscles, your ab muscles separating. Um, It can actually cause your insides to push outside of your belly and cause a permanent pooch. And you need to actually either have surgery if it's bad enough to where it can't be addressed with therapy, with physical therapy, or go to physical therapy to address it, which I had to do. I remember you telling me this being a fear of yours before you even got pregnant, or maybe it was when you had first gotten pregnant and I didn't know that you were pregnant, because I remember you like really fixating on this and you scared the shit out of me with it because I had never heard of it. And the first picture you showed me of what this was was absolutely the worst picture on the internet, and I think you did that on purpose. (laughs) But it's fine. I didn't take it from you. I let you have that moment. I don't forgive you for it, but I let you have it. And I had never heard of that. Mm -hmm. I had never, ever heard of that. And I remember really being so confused why you were so worried about it. And then when you experienced it, I was like, shit. She was worried about it the whole time. Thank God it's not that first picture she showed me of the blown out tire on your stomach. That's great. But I do remember you having it and then feeling like an asshole that I had never heard of it and I didn't know how to be supportive of that. Why in the world would you feel like an asshole when nobody tells you about it? It's not your fault. I know, but because I'm your best friend and because I always want to be supportive of you even when I don't understand what's happening. But also, you scared the shit out of me so I didn't (laughs) want to learn how to be supportive about it. (laughs) I just hated the fact that there was a space big enough in my stomach that I could fit two of my fingers width-wise. And that's a minor separation. That's a minor separation, right? I remember not the minor, and it's not good. It's not good, but I didn't know. And now also, I'm like terrified that I will have that with my next children's. Like, now that I know I should be worried about it and that you were worried about it, I'm going to be like, shit, now I got to, like, constantly check my belly, especially because I go to the gym now and I didn't, at the time I got pregnant at 21, I had, like, a 21-year-old stomach and now I don't. (laughs) So I'm extra worried about it. But now you know that physical therapy is available afterwards. That's real, which I didn't. So thank you for educating me on that. Anytime. So another thing to note is that not all pregnancy-related complications are resolved immediately after birth. As an example, postpartum preeclampsia is a thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. 
There's literally a million examples I could have used, but seeing we mentioned preeclampsia in our other episodes, I thought that was an important call out. I think so too, and thank you for sharing that. So before we dive into our next big section here, on the topic of your child, babies are crazy. They communicate by crying. They might have colic. Real. Colic is not resolvable, really. Nope. There are a million things that could cause frustration with you, with your baby. It's totally normal. It doesn't make it any easier. Um, I remember one night where Moose was not sleeping. Shocker. That was the story of our life for like a year and a half. Hashtag sleep terrorist. And I picked him up and I looked at him and I said, why won't you just fucking sleep? And I'll never forget it because I felt like the worst mom in the world. But man, when you are so tired and you're giving your all to this little human that you can't like... You can't, uh, um, what's what I'm looking for, negotiate with them or explain to them the situation or find out what's wrong. It's hard and it kind of shatters the reality of this beautiful experience. And the thing is, I had Nick. Nick was putting in all the hours and was working like an opposite shift than I was. We were doing everything right and it was still really fucking hard. And I think more people need to recognize that also i was still checking okay i he'd fall asleep and i would be checking the monitor waking up and checking in the monitor to make sure he's still breathing come on real real i don't even know when that stopped honestly i had a similar experience though and i know that we've talked about it before but thank you for sharing your story about your moment of exhaustion with me with moose I haven't heard that one before and I really appreciate it. And I just, I know you know this, but I'm saying the words, you're not a bad mom. You're an amazing mom. You weren't a bad mom in that moment. Just exhaustion is such a bitch. It'll do that to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, directly after that, I just hugged him and cried even harder because then I felt terrible. Real, real. That's exactly what it is. My moment was, it was like 3.30 in the morning. I was exhausted. Tiny was maybe 13, 14 months old. She could stand up in her crib. And she woke up and she was just bouncy and happy. And she was like, just, but needy. It wasn't like happy, like giggling and quiet and whatever. She was like nagging, but happy. And it was really annoying and I was super asleep and I was I was just really trying to get anything sleep-wise. And I threw a pillow at her because she wouldn't shut the fuck up and I snapped and I did. I threw the pillow at her and I will never forget the aggression that I felt when I grabbed the pillow. And it was just like a throw pillow. It wasn't even a real pillow from my bed. I grabbed that shit with so much anger and so much frustration and so much exhaustion. And I remember like launching it forward. And as it came forward and and my fingertips were loosening around the pillow, I remember thinking, this is not a good mom move. You will instantly regret this. Mm -hmm. And the pillow hit her and she fell on her diaper and she just looked at me like, whoa, Mm -hmm. What the fuck just sideswiped me. And I I did the same thing. She stopped talking. She stopped doing whatever the fuck she was doing. And she just stared at me like I scared her. 
and I scooped her up and I started fucking sobbing and I slept with her that night and I think every night for the next week because I felt so bad that I lost my composure. I didn't hurt her, so I can't even say that. I can't even say I felt bad for hurting her. I didn't. I just felt bad that I lost my shit and I threw a pillow at my baby Mm -hmm. because I did. And it's so hard to, like, obviously we don't condone, like, violence towards your child or screaming at your child oh my god no yeah we don't condone it never obviously that's not what we're seeing here what we're seeing is frustration is normal like the energy and emotions of a newborn and exhaustion build just once again please be kind to yourself if you need to put your kid down in the crib and walk away for a minute they're gonna be okay in their crib walk away Mm -hmm. go get an actual hot cup of coffee from the microwave that you forgotten in four hours ago. <laughs> Set a timer for 10 minutes. Go back and check on them. Take that 10 minutes. Take every single fucking second or, or whatever. Like your baby will be okay. Put them somewhere safe. And yes, do what you got to do to take care of yourself for just a few minutes if you got to. So I think that's a good segue to this next part. One thing that I thought was infuriating in the overall postpartum process was the aftercare for mom. It seemed that the postpartum women's need that could be something else were at risk of being assumed they were related to having just had a baby. So say you were experiencing something totally unrelated, it was just washed off to, oh, you just had a kid. So not cool. I dug a little bit more into the differences of a hospital versus a midwife route, and it seems that midwives are a bit more in tune with the mom's well-being and postpartum visits, and there seems to be more of those visits. In my experience, which was hospital-based, the follow-up was very minor and seemed to be a typical experience. This is a gross disservice to the mom, in my opinion, especially in a time of emotional, mental, and physical upheaval. I was given a piece of paper to fill out before my checkup, essentially assessing my mental health at the time. A piece of paper and a trust that I, a brand new mom, sleep deprived, high on happiness, but also with some really dark feelings, was going to answer correctly or even honestly. Which brings me to the main point that I wanted to hit, postpartum X. All of those things are super valid and super concerning and yes, very very real. And the other thing that I just want to throw out there that I think is very weird, we don't even have to get into it. It's just a general question I have for everyone, doctors, us, society in general. Why is it that a mother has to go to her OB every single week in the few weeks leading up to her delivery, but once she's had her baby, her baby gets checked up every two weeks, but the mom never does ever again? Like, the mom doesn't see her OB again until, like, six months later as, like, a post-pregnancy, post-whatever follow-up. There's not the weekly dedication to the mom the same way as pre-baby coming out, which I don't understand. You have constant support before, and then you're abandoned after. That's stupid. Yeah, I only remember one, maybe two follow-ups. That's it. And I had a C-section, like... With moose or for you for me yeah same Mm -hmm. same the baby blues are super common within the first two weeks of delivery as your hormones start to even out and you attempt to find your new normal if it continues however it is not baby blues 
A lot of people are familiar with the idea of postpartum depression, but there's so much more that can occur. This is from birthtouch.com. I'm not excited about this, but I am very much looking forward to the information that you have to share in this section because I truly don't understand the capacity in which postpartum depression can affect people. And I personally am looking forward to having a deeper understanding of this topic with the research that you found. So I just wanted to say that going into it. And thank you. Of course. That's what we do here. It is. So PPD or postpartum depression. These are the symptoms when weepiness, sleeplessness, low self-esteem, change in appetite, feelings of being abandoned, alone, anger, rage, listlessness continue past two to three weeks, it is starting to move into the realm of postpartum depression. There are often accompanying thoughts of self-harm or of harming the baby. So one thing I want to call out here is rage as a symptom because I think it often gets dismissed as an emotion because it's seen as unhealthy, when in my opinion, that isn't the case. It's as valid as any of the other emotions and needs to be addressed with the same consistency. I agree entirely, especially because I had this. I specifically had this and my rage, my postpartum rage, had nothing to do with my baby. But it didn't change the fact that it was entirely postpartum related. It didn't change the fact that my baby was exposed to that emotion and she felt it and smelt it and tasted it in my existence and our energy together. I mean, she she's literally a part of every experience that I have physically at this point in her life of days old, right? 21 days old. She knows what rage feels like and smells like. Like, that's just a normal, normal thing. And even if she doesn't experience it in the first few weeks of her life, she's going to at some point. So please don't, please don't be mean to yourself because you feel emotions outside of happy. Even on a basic level of one, it's normal, and two, your baby has a right to experience and feel you have emotions. That's important too. You are still a human being. You are not this perfect robot thing and nobody should expect you to be exactly and above all your baby doesn't expect you to be which is really the only person who fucking matters so sit with that too ppa postpartum anxiety or ppocd postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder a pervasive anxiety that expresses itself as over concern for the baby over concern about germs cleanliness, sleep arrangements, parenting skills, and the normal attachment process. The mom takes on a hypervigilant stance. She may even bring the baby to the hospital or doctor over and over again. She may develop checking behaviors such as checking to see if the blankets around the baby are folded properly, checking to see if the baby is breathing over and over again. I had this. I had PPA and I didn't know that that was a thing, but I had this, especially in the environment that we lived in and that we were just in. Fuck yeah. Yeah, checking to see if they're breathing over and over again is so exhausting, especially when all you need is sleep yourself. Yep. And then also, like, nobody tells you this, but when your baby is sleeping, their breaths become very shallow 
and they're very hard to feel in their little noses because their nose is like the size of nothing. So you are listening and feeling for this little tiny hole to exert a big fucking breath and that doesn't happen all the time. Big breaths and yawns are not as frequent when your baby is really sleeping the way that a baby sleeps. So you are searching for shit that doesn't need to be searched for. I'm not saying don't check on your baby if you're worried, but really be mindful of are you really worried or are you experiencing anxiety? Shout out to my in-laws for getting us a video monitor because even though it seems like it would exacerbate the experience for me it helped because I wasn't like trying to sneak into his room and make sure he was still breathing I could just look on the monitor and then checking the monitor eventually let me realize he's okay we can stop this now I mean I didn't even have that though Tiny didn't stay in her nursery for a really long time and part of that was because I had PPA And part of it was because I needed to know that if something went sideways, I could grab her and get the fuck out of my house in 10 seconds flat. And with her being in her nursery, I couldn't do that. Yeah, obviously I can totally respect that situation. I think both instances are just really valid to recognize. And and also to say, that's a full spectrum. Just like anything Allie and I say, because I don't know if y'all know this, but Allie and I always represent one end of a spectrum. We could not be more different. This is not an exception to that rule. That's an entire spectrum, and you can fall anywhere in that spectrum. Very true. So the next one is PP, postpartum psychosis. Postpartum psychosis is considered a psychiatric emergency. Postpartum psychosis is relatively rare. It occurs in approximately 1 in 1,000 deliveries or in 1% of deliveries. Women are most susceptible to psychosis in the first 30 days after childbirth, not sleeping for a few nights in a row, delusions, speaking about nonsensical beings, thoughts about evil beings, death, blood, intense fear, mumblings, robotic movements, stiff, acting as if she can hear words coming from somewhere else, staring, flat effect, deflated speech, one-word answers, catatonia, staring, and paranoia are all symptoms. Remember, you cannot talk a person out of their delusions. Best to nod your head, listen, say I understand or must be hard and get help immediately. And also, don't ever fucking pass judgment on her ever. Because you have no idea what she just fucking lived through in her brain. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't even imagine. PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, which is childbirth onset or also called birth trauma, Trauma exists on a spectrum from uncomfortable feelings to PTS to PTSD. Ayers 2009 reports one-third of the women in the Western world considers their birth to be traumatic. 10% report severe symptom of traumatic stress. However, most self-resolve. 1-2% to develop clinical post-traumatic stress symptoms, which should be treated. We are going to have an episode about post-traumatic stress so stay tuned for that but I also am really looking forward to talking about this as it relates to pregnancy because I didn't realize that pregnancy could cause PTSD until you and your experience so I'm really looking forward to being educated on this aspect as well. 
So in that portion of it, it is generally related to the birth experience itself. So that's kind of where that ties in. And like that statistic stated, a lot of it self-resolves, for instance, mine did. But in some cases, it doesn't, and it needs to be addressed. Absolutely. So the reason that I wanted to break down those different ones was because a lot of people don't recognize that there are so many different kinds out there of postpartum X. Most people just recognize postpartum depression, and then they don't even realize that postpartum depression shows up in several different forms. I actually knew somebody who had severe postpartum anxiety, but nobody knew what it was. Like, I never knew that it was a clinical thing. I didn't know postpartum anxiety was real, but I know I had that. I know I had that. And my mom told me that I had PPD, and I was like, no, I don't. You're wrong. I don't have that. I got super defensive of it because I knew I didn't. I knew that that wasn't right, but I also knew she wasn't wrong, and I was just as mad at the fact that she wasn't wrong, but I didn't know what I had because I knew it wasn't PPD. Yeah, and... Here's the thing. When you're in the middle of it, it's really fucking hard to see. Oh my god, you have no idea! And a piece of paper is not going to help diagnose you. This is ridiculous. Also, though, why the village is important. Because the village is supposed to keep an eye on you as the mom and watch out for that shit. Also why the village is real. I agree. But that actually leads me to the point I was about to make also. I don't think I was faking or like trying to act like I didn't have it because uh, I didn't know I had it. When people were around, I didn't feel it. I don't think anybody would have known. I don't think anybody would have realized because it was something I very much suffered in silence by myself. Like I didn't talk to anybody about it. I recognize everything that you're saying is true and valid. I totally do. I also want you to hear me say that as your best friend, I had concerns. I did not know how severe those concerns were because you were suffering in silence. So what you're saying is valid. But I also want you to know as a member of your village, I knew something wasn't 100% right. I knew that Allie wasn't Allie. I knew something wasn't right. And the reason I knew that is because you pushed me away super hard for a while and you would let me come close like here and there and whatever, but you pushed me away really, really hard and I didn't take it personally because I just knew it was something that you were working through. And I also told myself that knowing Allie, if she needs me to intervene, she will ask me. So those two things together made me not the ideal friend in that situation and probably made it seem like I didn't know that you were experiencing what you were. The reason that it, I didn't bring it to your attention is because I didn't want you to feel like you were doing something wrong or that I thought you were sad or fucked up or like I really was waiting for you to tell me you needed help because I know that that's how you're most receptive to help and that's not fair for you, like, I shouldn't have ever done that to you as the new mom. That's not fair. But I think something real that people experience and face all the time in those situations as a member of the village or as the mom in the village. I totally get what you're saying, but I also think if you would have come to me with it, I would have 
pulled a Mythbusters and been like, I reject your reality and substitute my own because clearly I'm over here super happy about moose. Like my highs were so high, I could just forget about the lows except when I was in them. That's real. And I know that that's true. I do. I don't think that that's different across depression versus anxiety as it relates to post-traumatic. I think that those highs are real because your body has the hormones to make those highs that much real on top of you're looking at the most beautiful, precious, sweet, incredible thing that you could possibly ever fucking do. That by itself is a high like that. So I really, really appreciate and respect everything you're saying and entirely valid no matter what type of PP experience you're having. Yeah, so our big call out there is your feelings are valid and if they're overwhelming and you need help, please don't hesitate. Don't. And also what I think is important to take away from this is if you're a member of the village and you have questions or you are seeing things I don't know I guess yes you would have mythbustered me but would you have wanted me to ask you now self yes I don't know how past self would have received it I couldn't honestly tell you I don't think I would have gotten angry no I would have denied it yeah that's my thing I don't think anger but you would have denied it and your denial is pretty assertive which given the fact that I already recognized that you were in a fragile state, would have made me think that you were angry. I know this. I know you. I know me. I know how this situation would have played out. And it would have felt like more pushing. So to me, it just wasn't worth the risk. And I didn't want to not be there for you in case you decided to tell me that something was wrong. That's how I looked at it in my mind. Which makes sense to me. So dear listeners, do what you will with that advice, I guess. I don't know. So here are a few stats from postpartumdepression.org. The link for this will also be in the show notes. In the United States alone, approximately 70 to 80% of women will experience at a minimum the baby blues. Many of these women will experience the more severe condition of postpartum depression or related condition. The reported rate of clinical postpartum depression among new mothers is between 10 to 20%. One recent study found that one in seven women may experience postpartum depression in the year after giving birth. With approximately 4 million live births occurring each year in the United States, this equates to almost 600,000 postpartum depression cases. When including women who have miscarried or have had a stillbirth, around 900,000 women suffer from postpartum depression annually in the U.S. Those numbers are heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Across the world... Postpartum depression affects tens, if not hundreds of millions annually if all countries are accounted for. One study found that postpartum depression rates in Asian countries could be at least 65% or more among new mothers. Jesus. I thought that was also super interesting given the village support that some of those traditions have. Real. And then I'm curious if the village is really an obligation or like we said before a community of people who care about you like damn it doesn't affect just moms either approximately 10 percent of new fathers experience symptoms of postpartum depression as well the overall success rate for treating postpartum depression is 80 percent which is why if you are struggling please get help 
that was all I had on that piece, except for this little blurb. Blurb me, baby. So you're going to be experiencing some of the most amazing moments ever in the course of the next few weeks, but please know that doesn't invalidate your struggles. I wish someone would have told me that. I was so happy about Moose that I felt like to be anything else would be letting him and everyone else down somehow. That was a really meaningful blurb and felt sincerely. And also, you could never do that. I know you know that, but I have to say the words. Thank you. So the rest of this is just kind of like a mumble jumbo of like thoughts and things. So uh, here we go. Let's do it. On the topic of everyone else, please know that no is a complete sentence and you don't own anyone anything more than that. Can we come visit? No. Can I hold the baby? No. Real. And to those people that want to come visit, please ask what you can help with. See if there's anything the new parents need, like a nap, for instance. Bring them a gift card for pizza so they don't have to think about dinner that night. Seriously, they exist too. I think that's one of the biggest issues that I have with people having children. And this sounds like so weird, but it's real. I detest that the minute a child is born, the mother's irrelevant. And we do this all the time. We really do. Like the fact that we celebrate children's birthdays without saying anything about the mom. The child wouldn't have a birthday without the mom. The child, you went through hours and hours and hours of excruciating fucking trauma in order to bring Moose into this world. Why on his birthday do you not deserve a, hey, great job bringing a human into this planet and keeping him alive. You've done really good to this point. Like we stop supporting moms but moms get super saturated with love and attention before the baby comes and then as soon as the baby's out it's like fuck who the fuck brought this baby into the world who cares doesn't matter let me love on this little dumpling now like that's a very common mindset and that really upsets me and bothers me yes parents are people they still exist they are still important It doesn't matter if you get your baby fixed. The parents are important, always. Yeah, for anyone that is listening to this that is expecting that I know, which I don't think is anybody, I will be bringing you a spaghetti gift basket and like some cozy socks. Noted for the next time I get pregnant, I expect a spaghetti gift basket and cozy socks. Great. Future Celeste, take note. There are so many things that we face within the first year, from the insane mom guilt to everyone having an opinion on how you should raise your child. Also, the fact that a lot of moms, myself included, end up losing part of their identity to mom, at least for a while, and I really wish people would talk about that more. Do you have thoughts? I do have thoughts. I do have thoughts about that specifically. I recognize that I am someone who has fallen guilty to losing my identity to the title of mom. Not always, but I recognize how easy it is to do that. I recognize how effortlessly it is to lose yourself to the title of mom because, you guys, if we are this far in this series and you don't understand that children are time-consuming and demanding, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But children are time-consuming and demanding. 
and you will lose a part of the person who you were before. But I think a really important piece of losing the person you were before is identifying who you are moving forward outside of being a parent. That doesn't mean that it has to be super far from who you were before, but it's not going to be the same. And I do think that you're right. I think that that's something that we as people, as a species, need to be prepared for. We are so accustomed to routine as human beings. We are creatures of habit. And babies throw a huge wrench in that routine. Even trying to make a baby's routine is not a fucking constructive process. And I recognize the toll that that takes on us on every plane, especially the one that includes our identity. Please don't ever feel like you have to sacrifice who you are as a person just because you had a child. Your baby's going to love who you are as a person, whether you like nose rings and ICP or you like long bubble baths and Nora Jones. Who you are does not matter. What matters is that you love your fucking baby and you would do anything for them. But you deserve a break and you deserve to be your own person, even if that's true. I think another good point that you made there without really diving into it is your baby will also change who you are and be willing to embrace that new you. I'm a lot less lenient of the bullshit now. I just don't care. I just don't. (laughs) So. Felt. Yeah. And I don't know, I um, have let go of my own self issues a lot more because Moose is so much more important than my own self, um, like focus on what society thinks about me. I just don't care anymore. And I love that he gave that to me in a way I never would have expected because to him, I'm just a cool mom. And you are a cool mom. You are such a cool mom, and oh my god, I can't wait for him to say the words to you all the time. Tiny tells me I'm a cool mom all the time, and it's really like, it's like the best high five I've ever gotten every time I hear it. However, I do think it's important to just high level say that the experience that you and I are talking about in the sense of losing ourselves is not the same experience that everybody feels. Not everybody embraces it and feels like a cool mom, even though we do. And I just want to just one more time for the people who are experiencing those feelings say, it's important that you love yourself because as long as you love yourself, your baby is going to love you no matter what. And it's really important that you show your baby what self-love looks like because if you show your baby anything but You're just going to end up resenting your baby because they only know how to unconditionally love you. And that's not something that you want to experience either. I really appreciate you bringing it back to that. You're very welcome. For a while, your relationships may change or suffer because raising a baby can take a lot out of you. And that's okay. People will understand where priorities lie. I can't stress enough how important it is to keep this in mind with your partner if you're raising your child with one. Be kind and patient to each other in this journey. And if people don't understand your boundaries when it comes to this, fuck them. Like, I'm not saying permanently, I'm not saying ban this person from your life, but seriously, do not put extra weight on their opinion or hurt feelings because you need time and space to figure out what you got going on as the parent. You're entitled to that. 
Then there's also the lasting effects on your body and the fact that it may never be the same again. Stretch marks, loose skin, extra weight, boob changes, hemorrhoids, potentially less hair or different curl pattern, the list can go on. You have to learn to love your body again somehow, which is easier said than done. Pregnancy itself can even trigger conditions like autoimmune diseases. Shout out to hypothyroidism. Tiny absolutely killed my fucking thyroid. You do not owe anybody except yourself if you want to. Snapping back to your pre-pregnancy body. Fuck that. Super fuck that. I personally have a very hard time accepting that, but I do recognize super fuck that. It took nine months to make that baby. Give it all the time it needs to unmake that process. Wow. I love the sentiment, but you really destroyed that in its entirety. You're so beautiful, though. <laughs> One of my goals this year, actually, is to like reclaim my love for my body. So I still don't love my stomach. Okay, we talked about how I like belly buttons and how mine was destroyed with pregnancy. It doesn't look the same. It still looks completely different than it did beforehand. But I've decided to embrace it. It's probably never going to look the same again. But you know what? I have a kick-ass kid because of what my body could do. So I'm looking for a bikini and I'm going to wear it. I don't know where I'm going to wear it, but I'm going to wear it somewhere, I guess, and proudly and deal with it. And hopefully that's step one. I'm super proud of you and I'm super excited for your step one. And I can't wait to see it. And I hope that I am a part of when you get to wear it and I'm going to hype girl the shit out of you. It's going to be like a whole paparazzi moment. I'm going to make the kids be a part of it. It's going to be a thing. I'm really excited about it. Wow. Allie's never inviting me to the beach ever again. (laughs) Nope. So eventually you'll end up going back to work if the stay-at-home mom life isn't for you. And in the U.S., your return to work could be sooner as opposed to later due to maternity and paternity leave not being a guaranteed thing. Oh my God. I have to stop. I have to stop. Remember how I talked about my maternity leave being two weeks and then I worked the weekend in between. Mm -hmm. Let me clarify this. I didn't actually have a maternity leave. I took a two-week unpaid vacation as my quote-unquote maternity leave. Two-week unpaid vacation. And I worked the weekend in between painting the office that I worked in. Oh my god. I just had to say all those words because I thought about them after our last episode and I was like, shit, I didn't even actually get a maternity leave. That's not, that wasn't even a thing. I don't even know what that's like. I did not get paid a single fucking dime in the entire time I was gone having a baby. Isn't that insane? That's disgusting. This fucking country is so focused on the family and like forward, but heaven forbid we make it a necessity to provide families with time to be a family. Yep. 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 And also, it's not just time. It's resources sometimes. It's money sometimes. Not every family needs the same things, but shit, every family really does need the same thing. So find what it is you need and start demanding it. If that is time, 
demand time. If that's money, figure out what you got to do to get more money. Like it's terrible. But once you have a baby, you don't have a ton of options. You got to do what you got to do. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, definitely. So on the note of maternity leave, sometimes that's not for everyone and that's totally okay as well. Like if you need to go back to work and be part of civilization again, do it. Do what's right for you. Do what's good for your mental health. You have to make the choices that make sense for you. Without question. And these are definitely topics for future episodes, but let's not ignore the fact that the hospital bills are insane, child care costs is insane, and child care providers don't even get paid enough, so I don't fucking know. And also, here's a perspective that isn't going to be included in this because it's not a average expectation, but also... Dear single parents who weren't even married, I'm not even talking about an abusive situation. I'm talking about just not married. You got to deal with the court. You got to deal with custody. You got to deal with child support. You got to deal with figuring that shit out. And that's, I mean, that might not be a bad day if y'all are together and happy and love and turtle doves and everybody's amazing and y'all are just waiting to get married. Like maybe that's not a big deal, but I promise if that's not the situation, it's a big fucking deal and it's exhausting and terrible and hard and you have people in fucking black dresses and white wigs that are telling you how you are supposed to take care of your baby and on what fucking stipulations you are supposed to take care of your baby and it's not a good time. I'm just over here shaking my head because I'm just so frustrated. I mean, that is a whole nother aspect both on the mom side and on the dad side child support custody placement there are two sides to that story and then there's also the judicial side so stay tuned for another like qualified immunity formatted episode because i don't know how else to do that shit other than presenting it all at once then the two final pieces that i had are we all know how i feel about social media please for the love of whatever you believe in, don't take the mom blogs at base value. So much of that shit is manufactured to sell you whatever. I guarantee they're on their third spit-up shirt of the day with a forgotten cup of cold coffee on the counter also. Just walk away from that stuff and be in your reality, which is perfectly okay and valid and not fake. My call out about social media, other than everything you just said, which was incredible, my only call out for social media is truly be cognizant of the pictures you post of your children online. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm not saying that to be creepy. I'm saying that because there is scary and creepy out there. Share your pictures with whoever you want to have them in a in a really intimate setting without question. And yes, share your sweet baby because I want to see your sweet baby on my timeline. But really, when I see children in the bathtub, I promise my first thought is not how sweet your baby is. My first thought is that you're a fucking not good parent in that moment because you made a bad decision about what to post of your kid. That's a real thing too. And that's not a mom shame. That's a mom protecting other children because parents don't think about that and nobody corrects you on it until it's too late. Yeah, shit's just not locked down like people think it is. Real. And point two, and you touched on this earlier, but I just had to shout it out again. Find your village. Find your people. 
Those that understand what you're going through and don't try to solve it or fix it for you, but are just there. I was super lucky to find that group of people in an online forum, and if you had told me that a random group of moms from around the world was going to be one of my biggest pillars in my first year of raising moose, I would have thought you were nuts. But it's so nice to have a group of moms going through the exact same thing at the exact same time and just be there to sympathize. Shout out to you ladies. You know who you are. And that is what I had aside from a quote that I would love to tell you. I would love to hear it. This is from Nishan Penwar. Being a mother is learning about strengths you didn't know you had and dealing with fears you didn't know existed. Felt. That is our pregnancy series and a wrap. Hey, thank you for being a member of my village. I love this village. It's very lush and well landscaped. I love our groove. I love our groove. Hey, what did you learn here today? Um, I learned really a lot. But honestly, I think the thing that I learned is that I had PPA and I didn't know it. And I didn't know it at all until you were talking through the symptoms and I was like checking them off in my head. And then I did have that like flashback of my mom really not gently notifying me really accusatorily of having PPD and that not sitting well with me. And I learned from this episode, she wasn't wrong, but I did not have that. I had PPA and I didn't know that was a thing. So I learned that about myself and about in general, pregnancy and postpartum, because I had no idea that there was that many levels of complexity to it. Yeah, it's crazy that, once again, can't we just talk about it? Can't it just be a more thorough discussion and not a fucking piece of paper? Really the question. And also what I think is interesting is that that piece of paper is the same piece of paper that they give you like every time you go to the doctor. I don't know if it's always been like that, but like especially since COVID, every time I've been to a doctor since then, I fill out that form and it's the same form, like circle these things to determine if you're at high risk for depression or anxiety. And it's like a front to back thing, which I'm not opposed to screening people for. But what you said was so important and so relevant. That piece of paper is not going to call me out on my lie when I say, yes, I feel great even though I'm sobbing. And also, that piece of paper is not going to hold me accountable to the fact that I might be okay right this moment, but for the five hours before this appointment, I was sobbing and wishing I was dead. Like, those are not the same thing. And that piece of paper is not going to intervene correctly, no matter what the situation is, postpartum or just normal fucking life. If you have concerns about your mental health or your well-being, Whether you're pregnant or not, or postpartum or not, never, ever hesitate to talk to somebody about it. And if you don't like the answer the first person gives you, keep fucking asking people. Keep trying to talk about it. Really, seriously, you deserve that. Yes, 100%. Just keep pushing. The sad thing is, new mothers have to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. Real. What did you learn here today? I didn't know that postpartum psychosis was a thing, so that was a brand new concept to me as well. Same, same. And I would like to cluster that under my previous answer of I didn't know that those things existed. But the psychosis one specifically scared me because a lot of those symptoms are like 
so random like the staring right Mm -hmm. i'm not saying i have psychosis but i stare all the time and i definitely would have done that when i was pregnant also because you're not sleeping you're sleep deprived your eyes are like exhausted but your eyelids won't shut because they weigh ten thousand fucking pounds and it's just heavy like there's so many things to consider but really seriously that psychosis bit there were so many symptoms in that that are just such normal average symptoms that if you were experiencing a psychosis you would have no idea and that's really fucking scary Mm -hmm. so dear listeners i hope that you enjoyed this wrap on the series i know it was kind of different than the normal format before we outro though and and because i really want to end this on the best note, because honestly, being a mom is the best thing that's ever happened to either of us, right? Other than our friendship and this show. And Nick. Shout out <laughs> to Nick. We love him too. But really, seriously, let's acknowledge, like, what's your favorite thing about being a mom? Like, really, seriously, if you had to pick one thing, what's your favorite thing about being a mom to Moose? I don't know if I can really explain it. He just he just fulfills me in a way that I didn't know... I could be or was needed. I guess I wasn't empty before. It's just a new feeling. And like going to pick him up from daycare every day, him running to me and giving me a hug is seriously the best thing ever. Like he's so great. His hugs are the best. He's such an amazing kid. And watching him grow up is the coolest thing. I can't believe Nick and I made that. He is like way more awesome than me (laughs) he's way more awesome than all of us like put together like that's real (laughs) he's such a clown too god we're so screwed as he grows up he's amazing and i love him and i am so glad that you guys took that journey he is my favorite little boy for sure what about you um I think that my favorite thing about being a mom has changed a few times over the course of Tiny's life, which I also think is important for moms to hear me say. And the only reason I think that I'm saying that and you're not is because I have more experience in a chronological (laughs) perspective in being a mom. I've got more years under my belt. That's it. Mm -hmm. But I really think that my favorite thing about being a mom right now is that the connection that Tiny and I share is so boundless that it exists on like every plane. And one of the coolest things that I really recognize about our relationship right now is when we meditate together. But even if we're not meditating together, I can feel when we're in the gold together, which is like one of my favorite things. When we meditate in the morning... I will literally, when I'm in the gold and I know she's there too, I'll say, hi, baby. And she'll say, hi, mama. Because like we can feel each other and like that's just such a cool thing. The other thing that's like my favorite right now is that she is just so sincerely her own person. And you guys get to hear a little bit of that. But I swear to God, this kid, oh, every day she says something that just like blows my mind. Whether it's the funniest thing or the weirdest thing or the most obscene thing or... I'm just like, where did you even come from? Every day she does something that fascinates me. And sometimes she pisses me off and sometimes she drives me nuts and sometimes she gets her ass whooped. Like all of that is real too. But she's truly fascinating to me. 
She's the most beautiful, funniest, weirdest, smartest, sassiest, mouthiest thing. And on that, I'm going to share with you my most favorite recent mom thing. And then that's my that's my thing. My mom moment, my one mom moment. And then that that's going to be the end of this. And then we'll outro because I'm so excited about sharing this, especially because we're recording. So the other day I had my period and I was experiencing like really bad cramps and my stomach hurt so bad. And I got up to get some water and I got up and I made like a noise because my stomach hurt and Tiny was like what's wrong mama and I said nothing I'm just bleeding and she handed me a band-aid and I was like no not that kind of bleeding and she was like oh the other kind and I was like yes the other kind where your maybe baby brother or sister is trying to exit my body and she was like get out maybe baby and I was like yeah Let's just say really mean things to the maybe babies so that they evacuate the premises faster. And I like did these motions on my on my hips and I was like, get out, maybe babies. And I was like yelling at them or whatever. And I looked at her and I said, what would you say to the maybe babies if you could? And I swear to God, she manifested the most powerful, vicious, fierce, intense beautiful black woman's presence I've ever felt in my life and she said fuck them kids and I died I died right there in the kitchen (laughs) oh my god it was a a parenting moment I will never forget (laughs) I can hear it too she made the meanest face I've never seen her make a mean face like this like she meant it she meant fuck those kids and then after I started laughing she started laughing and she was like I mean I wouldn't be a bad big sister though and I was like we're not talking about it right now (laughs) your answer was fuck them kids you're not gonna be a good big sister right now that is incredible I love her that's my favorite thing about being a mom how much I fucking love her they're amazing real real So thank you for all of your research and all the things that you put into this episode. I think it was really, really amazing. And I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for being a part of it. Oh, hey, you're welcome. That's what we do here at Taboos. If you've made it to this point, you probably should know that we're a podcast that talks about taboo culture with foul mouths and drinks in hand. I don't think we told you that before. Yeah, and I'm Allie. Hey, And I'm Celeste, and we have children. We're moms. (laughs) And this is our show. We're so good. We're we're so, so good at this. This is the part of the episode where I get to do the outro now. So that was part of that. The rest of it goes like this. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us on Twitter or Instagram at TaboosThePod. We are just Taboos on Facebook. You can reach us via email at taboospodcast at gmail.com. We have an amazing website at taboosthepod.com. We have a Patreon account. Uh, Peep our small little bonus episode from two weeks ago. You guys, seriously, I love our shot episodes. And if you also appreciated them, please don't hesitate to go over to our Patreon. The shot episodes are in all of the tiers. So even if you just choose the $5 tier, totally okay. You will have access to our shots, which are hilarious and also 
dear anybody who sleeps in socks, thank you for not sending us that notification because you're really valuing your life and I think that's the best choice. Good good for you. Except for the one that did. Don't worry, your secret is safe with me. I'll get it out of her. Your days are numbered. No, you will not. <laughs> was it Jim from Film Rage? Okay, first off, if it was, this is not how you would get me to tell you. <laughs> and second off, I wouldn't tell you yes or no regardless. So I am not the one in this relationship that is bad at keeping secrets. I know. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. I hope that you guys love this series as much as we did. Real. This series was fantastic, and I thought this was an absolutely fantastic venture from our normal topics, but super necessary, and we really do hope that you guys loved it as much as we do. Shout out again to our amazing graphic designer, Melissa. We love you. And on that note, do you be taboos. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.